0: Voices of the Pacific. My name is Letitia Shelton and I'm your host. Today we are having a conversation around the topic of justice. It was in 2021 when I was meeting with a group of Fijian women on the Gold Coast here in Australia. We were discussing these issues of abuse and one of the women, a mother, asked the other mothers in the room, if your son was an abuser, would you send him to prison? And this created some very in-depth and lengthy discussion. You see, God is a God of justice. When it comes to the issues of abuse, we focus a lot on the importance of forgiveness. There is a lot of pressure on the victim to just forgive her abuser, both culturally and religiously. But there must be justice as well. Rachel Denhollander is a survivor of abuse. She is a former United States of America gymnast and was abused by their team physician on many different occasions. And in fact, as she began to seek justice and speak up, over 250 other women came forward, revealing that they too had been abused by Larry Nassar, team physician. He's now been put in prison with a sentence of over 175 years. Justice was served protecting who knows how many other women from abuse. Just a couple of years ago, Rachel gave a presentation called A Time to Speak Addressing Justice and Forgiveness. And I'm just going to read a segment of that presentation out to you. Rachel states Justice and forgiveness are fundamental characteristics of Christianity. Justice is about how we as individuals and as a community respond to someone who is an abuser. Justice is when people get what they deserve. Justice is something that brings hope to those who have been abused. This has to do with what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. Rachel continues, These are things that are not matters of human opinion. These are matters of morality that come to us from God. As dark as the world can be, as much as there is evil in it, there is light and goodness and holiness flowing from God who defines the straight line. There is truth. Knowing that God defines what is good and punishes what is evil offers a survivor a way forward out of the pain that person has suffered. We can name the evil and grieve the damage even if others don't. Justice is served when the abuser is brought into light and punished for the abuse. But also there is forgiveness, which can be our personal response to evil. That is something that is possible because of justice. We are called to pursue justice, but we also are called to pursue forgiveness. And forgiveness involves giving up our claim to retaliation, giving up our bitterness. As Christians, we have help in pursuing justice and forgiveness because Christ gave himself over and took on evil. He purchased a people for God. Christ alone is the lion who conquered evil, but he is also the lamb who brings peace and forgiveness. And because of that, those who place their faith in Christ know we are forgiven of our sins, and yet at the same time, justice is served. It was fascinating when I gave a statement at NASA's trial, Rachel continues on, news outlets discussed how God allowed me to forgive him, but they didn't focus on the fact that I was also asking for the judge to give him the maximum sentence. Today I help victims pursue justice because it matters. Justice is found in the heart of God, is what Rachel said in her statement in court. So that's just a little bit of um, her perspective on justice, which I think is a very important one. Now I'm going to play to you a talk uh, presented by Peter Schultz. Peter has lived in Fiji for many years with his wife, Jill. He works in the prison systems across Fiji, helping to rehabilitate sex offenders. In May 2022, he spoke in an event that we held at Centenary Church in Suva. The event was called Creating a Healthy Nation. And this event brought together church leaders from across different denominations to look at what is needed to see an end to abuse. So listen to Peter's talk and be challenged about the importance that we do need to forgive but there also needs to be justice
1: uh, Thank you this, I, I'm excited because this is a growing conversation and it's becoming a stronger conversation and there are more men here praise God that there's more men that have chosen to become part of this critical critical conversation. As Letitia has said, um, I've been here for a while. Uh, Our Drua came in 2005. I think it was called the Virgin Blue Flight, I think it was. Um, And I stepped off that. And uh, I've been here since 2005 with my wife, Jill, We have four children, three have gone back to Australia and our daughter is still here with us. And so, again, thank you for the embrace and the ongoing hospitality and the ongoing welcome that you've given and afforded to me. Our work over the last 17 years has been with the rehabilitation of men and women. So we've worked in the prisons uh, doing Christ-centred rehab um, Monday to Friday in now most of the prisons within Fiji. And it's been a really interesting um, learning. It's been a rich time to see rehabilitation take up in a Pacific context. And then more recently we've begun intentionally stepping out to some of the red zones and Wilfred spoke about Nanuku. when we're working in Nanuku, We've just bought a property in uh, Nanuku specifically to invest into that community and to be with them in that community around some of the issues that we find. One of the things I'd like to talk through is the issue of justice. But before I get to that I want to I want to assure you that sexual offences are a place of redemption. That Christ is at work in some of the most difficult places that we can imagine. And at work in the life of the men that as a community we are horrified at what they've done. And they've been locked up but Christ is at work and I want us to see that as the first picture because we need to see the hope that's in this that Christ is not so disgusted that his grace and his justice and his mercy isn't also at work and active in these places. One of the things that I see is that we need to get a better understanding of what justice is. Because justice is not just punishment. But often we approach justice with a stick. We want to punish. We want retribution. We want to correct the wrong. And justice is about correcting the wrong. But one of the powerful places of justice is that it brings to the awareness of who we are as a community of what is wrong. And it brings to the offender, who is the one who's committed the crime or the injustice, the awareness of something they have done wrong and so that awareness of what is wrong is part of this conversation you know this conversation and we are having the courage to say these things are wrong because justice never ever flourishes when we have silence And yet often in our culture, silence is the respected default. That's what we move to. But justice is important because it brings awareness, it brings to light that which is hidden. And so the things that are occurring in bedrooms, whether they're being filmed or not, the things that are being occurring in community halls, at the back of community halls, or in in you know the toilet block or whatever, these are the things that justice is crying out, saying, "Bring me to light." So that yes, we will weep. In fact, we may even be disgusted but it will come to light, and in the light we can begin to work with it. So justice's purpose is to correct and to move us to health if we're willing to take hold of justice. Justice brings this awareness and knowledge of wrong, both publicly and personally. And justice's purpose is that we would heal both the offender and the victim. That healing would take place in both of those scenarios. But justice serves this place of separation. It serves this place where it's like, hang on, you you know, in effect, you go to your corner and we'll deal with you. You go to your corner, we'll deal with you. But when we distort justice, justice becomes denied both to the victim and to the offender. And so how do we deny justice? How do we we distort this justice? Well, the first thing we do is we become silent. Silence distorts, destroys the justice that we need. The other thing that we do is we misuse grace. We misunderstand where grace fits in the picture. And so knowing that we're good Christians, someone's done something wrong and we go, "Okay, uh, let me just throw the blanket of grace across all that. And then what happens under that blanket never gets seen, never gets dealt with. Because we've misused grace, we have thrown grace across something that's still crying for justice. And so the wounds in our communities never heal. And grace becomes cheap because it's so quickly thrown and so quickly grabbed and moved on. The other area where I see our justice get distorted, and this is a bit closer to home, and so please have grace for me now, is in the misuse of hierarchy and power. We live in a culture of respect and it's a beautiful thing. But if that hierarchy is misused to take advantage of anyone then it is corrupt. It's lost its privilege. And our hierarchy needs to be held to account. Because when we misuse hierarchy and misuse power, we distort justice. And so what I would say, my brothers and sisters, is is the land cries out for justice. But more importantly, the spirit of God cries out for justice. Justice for the young, justice for the old. And so I would clearly say, and I have encouraged and I have been criticised for this, but I will boldly say it again, is bring your abusers to justice. Don't throw the blanket of grace across it. But bring your abusers to justice because it will bring the public awareness of the wrong. It will allow the pause that's needed. You go to your corner, you go to yours. That we can heal, we can reconcile and then become stronger in that process. And if prison is the pathway for our husbands, or our fathers, or our uncles, or our brothers, or our cousins, then let it be. Please, let it be. So that justice becomes the cry of us as a nation. And we no longer stay hidden in silence and i applaud those of you who have spoken today so publicly of your experiences so in my in my work with sex offenders there are several keys and some of this has been mentioned that lead to the downfall the slide of the abuse of others one is The early sexual awakening, and Wilfred spoke about that with the devices, the age of exposure now sexually is getting younger and younger and younger. But as I've worked with men in prison who are serving their sentence for a sexual crime, it's one of the things that we find is that four and five and six years old as a young boy, they were sexually awakened, often at the hands of another. The other thing that's a common theme is the theme of domestic violence. Domestic violence in the home leads to a complete loss of respect of the other, and so sexual abuse can follow it very easily. The other thing that's common is that most sexual offenders in prison, their crimes and their behaviour has been fuelled by pornography, which is what we're talking about today. Pornography is the fuel that leads to the distortion, that leads to the deep selfishness, that leads ultimately to the idolatry of flesh in this process. The other thing, and this is more, more difficult to hear, is as we track the story of sex offenders, we find... That there were people that God had put in their path who had chosen to look the other way. Let me say that again. There were people in their lives who could have spoken, who chose to be silent. There were people in their lives who could have challenged, could have confronted. But chose to look the other way what do we do with that <coughs> do we cry out and say I'm not my brother's keeper or do we see who we truly are as a community, as a nation under God and choose to stop looking the other way and if that's saying to eight-year-old boys, as they go off to a house in the village and you know they're going to be watching a blue movie, hey, get out of there. I know what you're going to do. Breaking the DVD or smashing the phone, I don't know. you know, Putting it in water so it no longer it works. What's it take for us to stop looking the other way? And then the other thing that we need, and this is where I I, I want to lead to, is that often we're a culture of shame, blame, and guilt. And we all know those places too well. Shame, blame, guilt. And so it takes the triumph and it sucks out our courage because we have this incredible promise of redemption, this incredible promise of forgiveness. And so we need to learn how to stop trading in shame, blame and guilt, bring justice to its proper place so that redemption can be at work in the men and the women that we love, but the people who have been taken bondage and into captivity. I want to finish with the idea that mercy is at the end of the justice process. That we find God throughout the scriptures and he fascinatingly in Exodus 34 verse 6 when God introduces himself to Moses because Moses has gone I want to know who you are I want to see you and so God says very kindly okay I'll put you in a rock (laughs) you stay there and walks past him and you can see who I am from behind and God self declares this is who I am. And his opening statement is, I am a God of mercy. I'm a God of mercy. But then as you follow through those characteristics from verse 6, I think, through to verse 9 or 10, we see that God is also a God of love and forgiveness and justice. And what we see is that God never shortcuts justice. And if we as a nation are going to deal with the issue of pornography and sexual abuse and and domestic violence, neither can we shortcut justice. But at the end of justice is mercy. And mercy is beautiful, but we need to understand where it fits in the redemption of who we are as men and women. So we need to have stronger pathways and that's it's been mentioned. You've mentioned it Letitia. We need to have stronger pathways that allow men and women in our churches to put their hands up early and say how hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm drowning with this. I'm I've, you know, this is something I need to deal with. And so we need to find those pathways. We need those pathways to be developed so that healing and restoration can take place. We, and I'm I'm shifting the conversation slightly, and I'm going to take advantage. I don't know how long I've been up here. You need to give me a time down there. Um, Many of you... Knew the late Reverend, uh, sorry, Reverend uh, Naivalu. and he wonderfully was the chair of the Fiji Christian Counselling Association, which is in formation. It's, we had a launch prior to COVID, and then COVID hit, and you know we've been the working committee uh, has been working, still establishing that space which we hope to be one of the pathways and I in January was asked to take on the role of chair and so I I now stand in front of you with the hope and the aspiration as the chair of the Fiji Christian Counselling Association saying our longing and our desire is to be one of those pathways developed within the LOTU, that the goal of the Fiji Christian Counseling Association is not to be separate from the church but to be able to equip and empower the church so that the healing of this land becomes our reality. And so my brothers and sisters, I, I thank you so much for your ongoing courage. I hope that One day we'll be numbered in thousands as a unified voice crying out for true justice, applying proper grace and restoring with true mercy. May God continue to bless his move of his spirit across us. Thank you.
0: Well, I trust you were challenged and informed in a greater way by Peter's talk on justice. I know from many, particularly women that I've talked to, there has been a lot of pressure not to seek justice, just to cover up the abuse um, and to just get on with life. But I don't think this is God's heart. And again, I realise that it's um, it's challenging, especially in the Pacific Islands where it's not always easy to go forward, to get help, to speak to police. Um, the, the justice system is not always the best as it is in our country. I've gone to the police many times with different girls in my city who have been abused, and it's, it's hard and it's quite traumatic. Um, but somehow we've got to find a way and, and support each other, particularly as families, as churches. To get alongside victims, to help them seek justice wherever is possible. Islay, I see your suffering. I see the pain beneath that bullish smile. Come out from hiding. The sun is rising the islands,
1: here is a land.